Welcome to ABC at Noon. I'm Larry Boss, and I'm usually here with the co-host to this show, Paul Schreiner, but he is away and listening to us someplace down in North Carolina. So hope all is well down there, Paul. We do have with us today our permanent guest slash city council reporter. Is that <laughs> uh, on the show, Jack Ballantyne? Jack, uh, welcome back to the to the program. Thanks, Larry. Is that a good good enough title? That's permanent that's very good slash, title. Okay, that's, that's a very good title. Very good okay. title. Um, Jack is a person who will regularly report to us on what is going on with the Valparaiso City Council and other issues as they rise in the city of Valparaiso. So. Uh, before we go on, I want to remind p- people that you are listening to WVLPLP 103.1. Also remind you that this streams live uh, at WVLP.org. You can just go on there and push a few buttons, and you can listen to us any place in the world. Also want to remind people that this is playing originally at noon, hence the title ABC at Noon, uh, but it replays on again at Tuesday at 5 o'clock, and again on Sunday at 5 o'clock, and again on the following Tuesday at 5 o'clock. So if you missed it at certain points of time, you can, you can get it uh, just about, you know, play about four times throughout the week. Also want to remind people this program is supported in part from contributions from our supporters, some underwriters, and from a cultural grant from the Valparaiso Human Relations Committee. ABC at Noon... ABC stands for an Agenda for a Better Community, was created and designed to discuss issues in the city of Valparaiso. The assumption has been that while the city of Valparaiso has done quite well in the past, there are some issues that, if addressed, could make this an even better community. The focus of this program will be on those particular issues. As a means to do this, a group of interested citizens developed not only this radio program, but also a document entitled Agenda for a Better Community, which directs attention to some of the issues that we think are important to make this, again, a better community. This document is available online at abcvelpo.org. That's abcvelpo, all one word, .org, where you can download this or you can call WVLP's office at 476-9000, and we'll see that you get a copy uh, of this. We want as many people as possible to start looking at and start thinking about these particular issues. As indicated, another purpose of this program is to help keep people to help keep people informed of what your city government is actually doing. And again, that's where Jack comes in. He will regularly report to us about the most recent city council meeting. Okay, want to point out too over the past nine months that we've we've had this radio program. Um, We've been discussing these issues on the program and spent a good deal of time focusing on the candidates and issues that took place in the most recent city election. We also combined, uh, Paul and I are co-hosts of a program called Conversations at Community Voices. We combined that program with ABC at noon uh, and essentially continued to talk about these issues. And during those programs, we interviewed 13 of the 19 candidates uh, for office. These interviews were played initially and then over and over again right before the election, and we estimate that over 80 hours of interviews were uh, broadcast over this program. We also held a forum at Trinity Lutheran Church uh, where all the Democrats, we asked everybody, only the Democrats came, uh, and about 70 people showed up, and we also taped that and played it on the radio several times. Well, 
Uh, now our plan will be to see what the city council is doing. So, Jack, can you tell us uh, what happened at the last city council meeting? Thanks, Larry. The uh, last uh, city council meeting was held November 25th. Uh, all seven members of the city council were in attendance uh, in, uh, w along with the mayor and the assistant clerk treasurer. Uh, citizen attendance was approximately 30 people, just to give you an idea of the uh, level of participation from uh, the Enormous community. crowd. Yeah. At uh, this uh, particular council meeting, there were four ordinances that were presented in what is called second reading. They were presented in the previous uh, uh, council meeting, and during this time, uh, the ordinance is set to be discussed by the council have a public hearing and conduct a final vote for approval or uh, disapproval of an ordinance. So there were four ordinances that I'll go through uh, related at that stage. And then there were four additional ordinances that were entered in first reading. These would be new ordinances that will be voted on in subsequent meetings. Can I ask a question? Can they be, can, can public comment at every stage of the process, every reading or? The, or the first reading is just a reading. Of, of Correct. The, the first reading, it, normally there is is not uh, public comment made during the first reading. That is just to get it pretty much on the agenda to the, inform people that this is a topic that is uh, under discussion. And um, at the subsequent meetings, then people will be offered an opportunity to speak their concerns uh, relative to that particular ordinance. At, at the end of any meeting, there is a period of time that the public can, is, it's open to the floor to address an issue that the public might want to bring up. So there were a couple of those at the end of this meeting. So as far as the whole ordinance process go, when a department, there's a general budget put out uh, in, near the end of each year for the next fiscal year, and as each department kind of lays out in more detail how it is going to appropriate monies in that budget. It goes through creating an ordinance, and this becomes the public notification. This is part of transparency. This is how the public will get a little more detail in how a particular department, one, that they are looking at these amount of monies to spend, and a general explanation of what it's for it's not the detail of every piece of equipment or every program uh, by any stretch of the imagination but it is uh, just a notification that a level of spending that's going to go on in their department and uh, based on the budget that had been passed the four ordinances that were presented for discussion and vote uh, the larger one was uh, finalizing Ordinance 28, which is the appropriation of monies received for the p parks, <clears throat> excuse me, non-reverting operating uh, fund. This is the fund that basically performs the programs that the community enjoys, uh, youth sports, adult enrichment, adult sports, uh, Rogers Lakewood, special events, the Central Park Plaza events, bike share, Banta, and a new item uh, this year, uh, the dog park uh, along uh, Campbell Street at the old Clifford Stone uh, establishment uh, has been completed and is now uh, open. Uh, 
um, the overall budget for uh, performing those programs, as we said last time, was two point, approximately $2.4 million. The anticipated fees paid into those programs uh, from the participation of the community is $2.6 million. So there's about $200,000 uh, uh, buffer from the standpoint of uh, the funding associated with these programs. That money uh, may be spent on these programs, or if it is left over, it becomes part of uh, basically primarily a capital uh, expenditure fund that allows the park department to continue um, improving the park system. The other thing on that line I'd like to mention is when we go to what I called last time free events at the Central Park Plaza, those are free to us in the community, but the Parks Department does collect the fee for the use of that venue, and those fees are paid by the sponsors that are announced at those events. So it's very important to kind of pay attention and get an idea of you know, who's providing this service for our community. They are uh, a welcome resource to our community, and we should recognize them. Uh, for so the all those beer tents and things at those festivals are actually contributing money to the city. Right? Correct, right. yes. The, those events, in uh, of course, some of those events are paid. Not all of them are free, but even the free ones, essentially they are not free. They, uh, like I said, somebody is paying for the use of that venue, and it really comes from the sponsors. Except for the ones the park itself sponsors. Yeah, there might that, be a yeah. couple that, yeah. that they sponsor, yes. Uh so as far as uh, the overall, like I said, it's about $200,000 um, um, revenue generator over above what they think they'll be spending on these programs. And that um, budget was passed seven, seven to zero uh, by the council. There were no objections from the community. Can I ask one question here about, I just, for an example, it goes $820,000 for the golf. Yeah. Do they pay um, um, personnel out of that, too, or is that just for... Okay, that figure that you're looking at there are the... Anticipated total fees. Yeah. Fees. Do, uh, do yeah, they out pay of that, salary out of yes, that? Yes, yes. Okay. Coming okay. out of that, uh, part of, out of that budget, uh, actually a, a large part of that budget would go to salary... Uh, of uh, maintaining the personnel yeah. that maintain these parks and service uh, the parks. Yes. So, so I, would it be fair to say that the city is running a whole bunch of small businesses here, some of which make money and some of which don't, yeah. or pay for themselves? Yeah. Basically, okay. if you look at it, a large part of them do pay for themselves, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yes. I start looking at this. Well, that, no, yeah, the dollars you take in, that, that could play a lot of, 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 of services mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, for people. Yeah. A lot of lawn cutting. Yeah. Now, the overall city budget for the parks, the two pieces of it are the, the, the regular park fund. That is funded primarily by taxes, and that's just to have a park system, which is for Valparaiso, based on the community size, is 
would be rated as an extensive park system. It, it does a nice job uh, to service our community. Um, that budget is 3.7 for 2020 is $3.7 million, of which 3.2 million come from property taxes and the balance come from a variety of fees and other sources, part of which would come out of this okay. reverting fund. Um, the next ordinance that was uh, heard in second reading was the parking fund, and that's a $167,000 fund just to uh, maintain the park uh, downtown parking system, which is one pay garage. Um, other fees that come into this fund include the passes for people who use that garage, um, as well as the people that monitor the uh, proper timing limit on downtown parking and, and so forth. And if there's any fines or whatever, that is part of what helps fund the parking fund. That passed also 7 nothing with uh, no objections, and that's kind of a standard, standard uh, uh, budget item each year it's in line with what has been paid in, or what has been budgeted in the past third ordinance uh, were the amendments to the unified development ordinance this is the ordinance that has the intention of uh, um, encouraging investment and maintaining the character of the city uh, so we have a very detailed uh, ordinance it's uh, article 11 of the unified development ordinance and in there uh, they are proposing some changes to include some new materials eliminate some old materials that do not service well in our our city uh, and also to uh, kind of detail uh, some architectural requirements and changes in order to, like I say, maintain that character of the city. This particular ordinance, because of the amount of detail and the impact it has on developers, contractors, businesses, uh, this uh, was held over for further discussion by the council and a vote wasn't taken. So in upcoming meetings whether it's done in the, the next meeting or subsequent meetings uh, it all depends on uh, at what stage uh, the people that have our stakeholders in this um, have continued their input into some of the changes that are proposed there were no outright objections to anything they just were looking for more time to like i said if you read this it's a very detailed uh um, set of regulations and they just want to make sure that the best uh, approach is uh, being taken which uh, they have no reason not to believe that's uh, what's not happening I noticed that the introduction there it says that <clears throat> the uh, purpose of this is to encourage investment and maintain the character of the city yes okay. and I think if anybody uh, wants to um, if you can't sleep some night, you might want to pick up Article 11, unless you're a builder or a contractor, and, and go and go through this. One of the things we talked about before we started the show, because I asked a question about that, is that um, local buildings uh, are prohibited. Can you explain what that is again? 
I mean, you my, my understanding of a logo building <clears throat> would be something that would be the standard building for like a McDonald's or a Starbucks or something that would not have the traditional architecture that you see in our downtown. So that those type buildings uh, are prohibited. If uh, a business of that sort would want to uh, become part of our downtown historic area, uh, other provisions would have to be made on the architecture of, of that establishment is the way I understand it. I'm not an expert on it, but from reading, uh, this is what I believe is the reference to a logo building. Uh, it would be um, a corporate type uh, standard building. Do we know how far this extends the requirements? Is there a definite uh, geographical area? area? Uh, yes, uh, I'd have to. You'd have to look at a, a map okay. that is on okay. a website. But yes, there oh, is okay. a, there is an area that's considered the uh, historic area. Yes. Okay. That, uh, again, I think there's, it's all kind of interesting things here uh, to me when they talk about not only logo building, no bubble awnings, and they talk about mm -hmm. how much vacant space you can you can have between. You know, if you have a what, what a fifteen thousand plus Correct. building, then you can you have to dress the front up in certain ways, and you can't have certain kinds of lights. And in one place, I was I underlined something here about. Let's see if I can find it. It struck me as interesting, as um, now I can't find it was, but it had something about colors. Yes, uh, they uh, have. Yes, there are. Uh, there, there, there's a palette bro, uh, in a sense in the regulation. Com complementary colors. Yes, okay. it gets okay. into that kind of detail. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you have to be an architect and uh, yeah. a um, and a designer too. Yeah. So you have to get co certain colors and so. Correct. Uh, I just think it's interesting because I mean, I mean, conservatives are always complaining about all the detailed regulations they have to go through, and I I, I can see what what their yeah. concern is, but at the same time. You know, the city has decided we're going to make this. We're going to make downtown beautiful, and Correct. putting McDonald's in the middle of downtown ain't going to make it beautiful. Right. It might it might right. be a good business for downtown, but it's not going to make. Yeah. So the striking that the, you know the good part of the Valparaiso, the the people that are are working basically behind the scenes, are you know they that statement about encouraging investment and maintaining the character. That's mm. what regulations are about, basically. Yeah. You don't want to go too far because you'd hurt the investment side of it, but then you'd, you don't want to be so lax that you change what yeah. we enjoy here in Valparaiso. Uh, yeah. I attended all of the altogether Valpo, no, yeah, altogether Valpo things, and I think I heard Tyler Kent say at least 100 times probably about the character of a neighborhood. Yes. Housing had to fit the character of the neighborhood. Yes. You know? And so... Uh, and obviously, you know, that's an important aesthetic yes. aspect. A friend of mine used to always complain about the fear that, you know, that Lincoln Way would become Los Angeles-ized. And yeah. that is, you would have massive numbers of local buildings, and that's all you would have, and you wouldn't have any, have any character. Right. So anyway, that people who don't think that this is fun should, should go look at this kind of stuff. Yes, I mean, right. I made a joke about being boring, but, I mean, you start thinking about, you mm -hmm. know, the size of the windowsills and all these things are all important parts of uh, right. what gets uh, put yeah, in there. Yeah, when you read the detail <clears throat> of uh, things like this Article 11, as you get an appreciation of what it takes, it, it just doesn't magically appear that you have a city that looks like this. 
uh, and I'm assuming most people would like the way it looks, um, but the amount of effort that goes in to try to keep it. And by the same token, these regulations are reviewed and revised as things change and try to maintain um, updates on, like I said, materials and, and what could be allowed to maintain the character but also keep it updated. So uh, they're, they're working the system. Let me remind people that you are listening to WVLP uh, 103.1 on your radio. Uh, and this is ABC at Noon. I'm Larry Boss, and we're talking to Jack Ballantyne about city council. So what else happened? Are, we, are, fourth, we done, are we done with that article? The, uh, yes. Pretty much. The yeah. fourth ordinance that uh, was in second reading and uh, voted upon was uh, the uh, establishment of the collection box regulation where we're controlling uh, how the various types of collection boxes may be placed around the city, make sure they're maintained, picked up properly, uh, and uh, we keep track of uh, where they are being placed and how they are being maintained. And that ordinance, again, uh, passed with uh, no public comment uh, and or objection, and the council voted 7 nothing to uh, approve that particular ordinance is there a design for what these boxes are going to have to look like and location not that i not that i am aware of okay. uh, it's pretty much just um getting the boxes before you place it getting it registered with the city okay. and then the city will monitor that it's okay. being properly uh, maintained and switched around and uh, materials aren't being collected on the outside of the box yeah. and it's not in an inappropriate spot in, in the city. So just getting control of the situation that we really didn't have a regulation for yeah. before. We're not getting into designing the color of the collection boxes <laughs> at, this well, at this point. Well, not at this point, at, at but this maybe. Point time, at maybe this point in time. Okay. Okay, then the four new ordinances that are in first reading that will be brought up for vote uh, to, for approval – uh, those ordinances, uh, the first one was the appropriation funds uh, in the local road and street fund. Again, these are the local road and street, not those that are part of uh, a state uh, system. Uh, this also includes the purchase of salt for the winter season. On this particular um, um, budget item, uh, the materials were budgeted $350,000. The other services, which would include the paving parts of uh, from this budget, are 125,000. That 350,000 is about 100,000 dollars more than in previous years because the salt inventory is so low from last year. The, the amount that we had to use last year uh, that they had to put some extra money in there. Um, so that total budget uh, was uh, 475,000 dollars. That will have a second reading at the next meeting and uh, most likely be set up to be approved. It's in line with previous year's uh, expenditures. Ordinance 33 was the next ordinance. That's the appropriation of the local police education fund. <clears throat> the reason I go through each of these ordinances just to give the community an idea of the detailed uh, funds that are out there that we do have a... Uh, police education fund uh, that is uh, the 
funding for that is request is eighty thousand dollars. That is typical of what we have spent in previous years. And the, um, the chief of police indicated that that the area of concentration on this will be on leadership training. Uh, again, these. Uh, this education fund is used to update and improve the skills and performance of uh, our um, police department. Uh, so we do have ongoing education uh, programs uh, for our police department. The next ordinance was the uh, appropriating funds for the police motor vehicle equipment fund. This is not the vehicles. This has to do with the peripheral equipment, such as radios and the light bars, uh, that type of equipment. And that is set at $20,000, which, again, is the typical budget amount in previous years. The, um, I, on another subject, I noticed that the sheriff's department is going to go to hybrids. They're buying, uh, I think, like 10 hybrid uh, police cars. Vehicles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with what you're talking right. about here, but I just, it just struck me as. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and let me make something. You made a point about informing us about this stuff. And I think, because I think it's important to point out this was not only about the issues, but about the process. Right. Okay. I mean, this is showing us that what's happened here is what the government has to go through. They just don't sit down there and write out a check and throw this thing around here. We're talking about three readings to get money to, to spend 20 grand, right? Right. Right. The uh, last ordinance that was introduced has to do with the appropriation of funds for uh, firefighting. Uh, this, again, is not the major firefighting fund. There's, there is a whole, uh, the firefighting fund, uh, the territorial fund, uh, that is where the monies for the, the major equipment and facilities uh, is appropriated. This has to do more with uh, peripheral equipment that the firefighters uh, need in the performance of their job. Uh, this fund uh, breaks down into uh, personnel services of $80,000, supplies of $5,000, and machinery and equipment of $100,000. The point of emphasis for this year uh, was going to be on the machinery and equipment is to purchase uh, more uh, heart monitoring devices uh, that they believe will uh, that are needed uh, in the performance of their services on some of the life-saving activities that they're involved in. That's a hundred thousand dollars for that. For Not necessarily year? all of it. That's okay, their yeah. major point of emphasis. They didn't go into okay. the detail of every item. They're just saying one of the areas of concentration for this upcoming year is in heart monitoring equipment. Being being a heart patient, I'm not going to object to that at all. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, then then the meeting turns into like I said, every meeting at the end an offer to the community uh, for the att attendees there as an open meeting for s any citizen questions or comments. So there were three uh, people that spoke, or three groups. One was uh, Giles Jarrier, um, 
he Gilles. Gilles. Yeah. Jurier, thank you. We had him we had him, we interviewed him on, on the program. Okay, so that's why you know that's, the pronunciation I, I, of that name. A, I know yeah. everybody pronounces it. He reminded me of several times. Yes, yes. He was uh, he was a candidate, I believe, for the fifth council district. Correct. Um, anyway, he uh, requested uh, of the city council to take up the issue of recreating the environmental council. This is a council that had been part of the city um, group back 10 years ago, and it's been active ever since. But with uh, the new emphasis on understanding issues of uh, climate change and the need for uh, targeting energy efficiency, um, transportation efficiency, building efficiency, that uh, he would like to elevate this to a um, council, um, working council position, probably similar along the lines of the Human Resource Council that was created a couple of years ago. So this council did exist uh, in the past. It's just been dormant, and Giles wants to uh, uh, gain some momentum behind it and and reactivate it. So the uh, council suggested that um, that it be taken up with the the new council that will be seated in January and try to to speak specifically. Uh, in the meantime, with Mayor Elect Murphy. Uh, and also to generate uh, some interest uh, amongst the council members prior to that and then take it up next year. Yeah, his whole campaign was pretty much uh, yes. centered on environmental kinds of issues, right. and it was really, really interesting. <clears throat> it wasn't just, you know, we, you know that, hey, uh, we got a problem here, but he was very systematic and outlining the kinds of things that could be done uh, and, and should be done. Right. And, and that's an important thing, and that demonstrates why these meetings are important, is that with issues uh, like that, uh, that you need to get some focus and keep it in front of people's minds because we, we go through our daily lives and it's, it's, it can just be forgotten when the city, and when I say city here, I mean the community has to get behind it as a city that we are kind of the, a, a microcosm of the big problem. We can't solve the big problem unless we can solve some of these problems in our own local areas. And that's what this effort would be directed to, that it's kind of a building block to make things where we can make them better, that we do, and it requires some focus to be put on it. So uh, this is how ideas uh, are generated and how actions can be implemented. So again, it's kind of a, a way for people to, to get involved. I should point out too that one of the issues in the ABC um, agenda for a better community is assuring a sustainable environment. Okay, yes. and that's one of the things that we had thought that putting that together <laughs> that this was a uh, something that had not been done, that had not been considered in any detail. So right. I'm glad to see Gilles was there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be something for, for next year to keep keep the discussion going. <clears throat> the second group that spoke had to do with a probably very unknown situation. That the, the group was from what I believe is called the Arbordale Development. Uh, 
they were looking for the city. They, they were looking for understanding from the city of why their roads weren't being plowed. They pay. They're part of the city. They pay city taxes, but their streets aren't plowed. <clears throat> and what the the problem comes down to is that when those developments were formed several years ago, there was the ability for a developer to get a variance from the city relative to the construction of their roads. They did not have they the developer did not want to necessarily be tied to the standards, those regulations that uh, the city would say he would have to build those roads by. So they apply for a variance, and the city at that time would give a developer a variance, but the stipulation was they wouldn't be responsible for repair or maintaining those roads. And that's where the residents then get caught. Some of those residents would never have known that that was the arrangement, but that is what happened. And so those, those roads are not part of the city's inventory of local streets and in addition, they're not part of the inventory that is sent to the state for state funding, which helps support the, uh, the, the local street repair and maintenance also. So um, it's just that those residents are caught of something that happened many, many years ago. Now, since then, I don't know how long ago, the city no longer will do that. They don't give variances like that anymore the way I understand it. But there are about five developments that are faced with this issue. I don't know what the other ones are, uh, but um, there are um, five developments, about five developments in Valparaiso that would have a situation that they're paying city taxes, but their uh, roads would not be plowed nor be repaired, resurfaced. So, so the developer saved some bucks. By not, you know, following the standards and, yep. and in fact, pass that cost on to the to the people. Yeah, I, and, and I I don't live in the city. I live in a county, and I live on a road that's not is one of those roads. And in the county, there are hundreds of roads like that mm -hmm. um, that were platted years and years ago, but they were accepted as public roads, but not for service. Mm -hmm. In our case, it's basically the roads only twenty foot wide. They couldn't get. A plow down if they argue so oh. plus there are some oak trees that are probably 100 years old that are growing in those roads basically so so yeah i i remember this has come up i've been here you know a long time i can remember this coming up before so at least in the time that i've been here they were still doing that and yeah. but recently i haven't seen anything like that uh the uh third person uh that spoke was um a group i, I would have a hard uh Vinod Nagabadi Corporation, which is a, a group um, that deals with uh, diversity and, and innovation. And they started a, an event last year. This is going to be the second annual Diversity and Innovation Day event to be held Tuesday, December 17th at the Porter County Community Foundation Building, which is at 1401 Calumet Avenue. And uh, again, it's a, a program in its second year, uh, and it's one that uh, you would have to go online to register for. There's limited seating, uh, but she was just inviting the council uh, members uh, just to be introduced to the activity uh, that this group is uh, involved with. 
I think she was the lady who was at the last allies meeting. Yes. And talking about uh, some of the same kinds of issues of diversity. Right. Yes. So any other last thoughts, comments on the entire process and your entire experience? As being our expert reporter on yeah. city council? Well, the next meeting's December 9th at City Hall at 7 o'clock. Uh, and again, the, the effort here would be to generate interest in our community through uh, the activities of our city government. And the way to get that would be to, uh, you know, attend these meetings and hear the people speak. And get it, one, you, you do get an appreciation, like I said, the people that do speak are the, the groups that are kind of behind the scenes. They're not the, you know, the, the po politicians that have been elected. They're the people that are kind of managing things around our community. And, you know, the people have our best interest at heart. Uh, but, you know, some, some issues, you know, may you might disagree with or others you get an appreciation of uh, why things look the way they do in Valparaiso, both the good, mostly, and if there's some areas that need help, uh, it would give you some uh, um, experience in how to kind of redirect uh, how the city is approaching things. Again, remind people you are listening to ABC at noon. I'm Larry Boss. We just listened to Jack Ballantyne uh, give a pretty detailed report of what happened at the last uh, city council meeting uh, and informing you when the next meeting is, is at. One of the things that I, and I think we talked about this before, and it's, it's something's going to be done about it, I think, but uh, we talk about transparency. Uh, so I went on the city webpage this morning just to see um, you know, what the agenda was like, you know, for the next meeting. Of course, the, the agenda is not there, okay? If you go to the most recent agenda webpage, the most recent agenda is November 11th, last one, okay? And if you look at the most recent minutes under most recent, the most recent ones are December 10th, 2018. Yeah. Okay? If you go, if you go under view all minutes, they, they do have the November 11th mm -hmm. meeting, okay? Yes. Under most recent resolutions, uh, the most recent one is November 2018, okay? Uh, and under view all resolution, they do not have them from, they have one from November 11th. Okay? Right. So they're, it's kind of interesting because if you want to be the most recent, yeah. you get your old stuff, basically. Yeah. And the proposed resolution uh, is the most recent one is from October 29th, October. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the most recent audio on there is from uh, November 12th, 2018. Right. Okay. The minutes, I, I believe, it's like what happens with a lot of websites. The city has <clears throat> set up a website and tried to be interactive with it. As far as updating it, they, they probably over time have created different ways of viewing this information and some of the old ways go dormant, like you said, when you, I, I totally agree with you, that's what happens when you go through the various titles, it doesn't make sense. The most recent uh, comes up with a December 2018, when in fact there's other areas that have updated that through specific yeah. years. So it's just a, a, trying to manage websites as they grow over time and stepping back and taking a look at the whole system. So it's something that 
I might bring up to them actually just because I'm interacting with it now just yeah. to try to stay up with it just to say it's something to take a look at it's not a I, I think what happened problem. though is that under a Valpo next they give these grants out and Matt Swinehart mm-hmm. got one of these Valpo next grants to look at the web page oh okay and uh, and uh, I have I I know Matt from a long long time ago. I haven't seen him recently, but uh, and and follow what he's done. He's, and I think he'll do a good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. I there don't exact I don't exactly kind of access he'll have, but I just yeah. want to point that out that someone's and and I think every candidate that we talk to, uh, at least every Democratic candidate that we talk to, said the website and Bill Durnell, you know, said it was awful mm-hmm. in terms of what in terms of possibly what could be done. Yes. Basically. Uh, to make this, you know, I think the the, the the financial portal is is pretty good now, and and you can get a lot of information at the, from the state level, from the yeah. office of local government finance right. too. Yeah, the the financial portal is one that it requires, uh, you know, a, a detailed knowledge of some things though to understand how funds are transferred between various line items. Uh, it's kind of all there, I would imagine. But as far as following it through, again, from a transparency, it seems like you could um, maybe simplify it some to make it directed at. Yeah. So you can associate expenditures with a something you see in the community. Yeah. You could get to that level, I believe. Yeah, but, I think all the time what it is is people who are familiar with this stuff. Yes. It's just simple. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yes. and, you know, and uh, I'm sure my wife right. and I get in detailed discussions sometimes. I think, right. well, this is simple. Well, it's not simple. I don't know. And so, but it's neat. It has to be simple for for the, at least the, the most basic person could right. get access to this data because it, it's, it's, it's important stuff to get. Okay? So, uh, I just point, because we talked about, you know, what's coming next, and I, I look to see what's coming next, and it's hard to figure out. One other thing, too, probably, I'm sure the minutes aren't, aren't official until they're approved at the next meeting. Correct. So, technically, you'd be sending out a set of minutes that are not official. I think the school board does that. Yeah. I'm not sure. They, maybe they used to do that, but I'm not quite sure if they do that. Right. There was one organization that said, always oh, these are unofficial, and they'll be official when they're approved by whatchamacallit. Right. Like that too. that, that so, is part of the... the the process is the whole yeah. business of putting information out that requires approval yeah. in technicality. So you know, two weeks later, yeah. yeah. Well, talking about uh, local government, um, uh, I'm going to go to the to the next, uh, I guess, major government agency we deal with, which is uh, the Valparaiso Community School System. And uh, Brian Williams uh, puts out a, a summary of what happens at the meetings, and I'm not going to. Uh, blame Brian for anything I'm saying. I just looked at his outline, and I'm going to just point a few things that come up about his, uh, what he suggests that are important. For example, one thing is that merit, teachers will get merit pay uh, this year. There is $232,000 set aside for merit pay from the state, and will go to Valparaiso teachers who are rated highly effective and a share will go to the special ed cooperative people. So 289 teachers rated highly effective will get $589 raise. Not a raise, but a, a, a bonus, okay? And 18 teachers rated effective will get $471 bonus, okay? And the board approved paying the same amount from the district's education fund to media staff, et cetera, things like that. 
The board also set in motion some renovations. One is the cafeteria area uh, at the high school. Uh, it's estimated to be, be done by 2020. It'll cost between $550,000 and $600,000. The scheduled pool is designed, is scheduled to be turned over to the school and be done by December 18th. So for Christmas, the pool will uh, finally be done. One of the things I found most interesting, and then Brian Williams gave a, a, a link to a more detailed aspect of, of this, was um, the super, uh, superintendent's contract. Uh, the superintendent, as of July 1st, the salary was $168,000. In addition to that, she will receive $15,000 to her 403B, and that increases by 5,000 if she's rated highly effective. That's eight and a half times more high than, than highly effective teachers get. Increases by 3,000 if she's only rated effective. And that's six and 6.4 times more effective than teachers get. She also gets a $500 a month travel expense stipend, okay? Uh, she also gets reasonable conference expenses, institutional memberships, and 10.5% of her gross wages in Indiana State Teachers Retirement. Now, I'm not saying whether that's good or bad or how it relates to other things. I just think it's something that, that people should, should be aware of, that what, what, what kind of uh, salary they are paying to the superintendent. I didn't add up the entire package there, but certainly the base salary of 168000 goes up considerably when you add in all the other expenses, including the insurance, which I didn't even mention there. At the uh, time afterwards in public comment, David Lawson, who was a member of the dismissed boys high, high school soccer coaching staff, spoke saying the board needed to assess that situation. If anybody saw, it was kind of interesting, last Thursday, I think it was, or last Wednesday, uh, they... Um, fired the whole coaching staff of the boys' soccer team. And uh, on the same day, Valparaiso University uh, dropped <laughs> men's soccer along with uh, men's tennis. I thought that was an interesting day that this happened. This anti-soccer, it was not anti-soccer, but it basically happened the same day. Also, the TJ Middle School Spell Bowl team came in second this year. If you notice that the last 12 years, they've come in number one. So... Uh, as Brian Williams points out, n number 13 was unlucky here. They only came in second place. And the next regular meeting of the board is scheduled for 5 p.m. on Tuesday, December 17th at the Valparaiso Community Schools Administration Building. So that's a little bit more about what's going on with the, with the school board and, and school activities. The pool will be done eventually, finally, uh, and they've set some other um, details. So uh, we've got about 10 minutes left here. Uh, I want to go on to uh, uh, talk about some other things. Anything else, anything you want to bring up, Jack, about anything? Uh, no, not at this time. Okay. We have the Agenda for a Better Community uh, document. And in that document, there are seven issues ranging from what we call a welcoming community to a sustaining community, sustaining environment, to um, uh, an economically sound um, city, uh, et cetera. 
I want to start going through some of these issues a little more carefully and talking about why we think they're important, uh, what they actually entail, and what might be done about them. And I think I can start I can start the welcoming community one. I'm not quite sure if I can finish it, but we'll finish it uh, in two weeks during our next show. Let me start by reading here the introductory statement on the agenda for a better community about a welcoming community. Cities the size, location, history, and demographics of Valparaiso have not always excelled at integrating new members into their community, especially when those new members are of a different racial or ethnic composition. Our goal is to make Valparaiso a truly welcoming city for all and serve as a model for other communities on how to accommodate to the inevitable changing demographics that all cities will experience. To accomplish this, we fully support the efforts of the city's Valpo Next Vision Plan to embrace diversity. We want Valparaiso to become a community that welcomes all people, no matter the race, ethnicity, religion, color, sexual orientation, general preference, or economic situation. We seek a community that works to prevent all actions, whether by individuals or institutions, that do not promote the full acceptance of all persons. We seek a city that recognizes, encourages, and values the changing demographics of our community and takes action to prepare for and welcome our new neighbors. So that's the introductory statement. When we interviewed the candidates uh, for this election, I think we asked every one of them their thoughts about a welcoming community, and I think every one of them said, yes, Valparaiso is a very uh, welcoming community. A few of them did recognize that it may not be as all that welcoming for some minority students. Uh, it's not students, but, but, but people, okay? Uh, I want to make uh, a case here to point out why some people don't think we have a real welcoming community. And I'm going to start by talking about a study that's being done, ongoing study, by the Community Research and Service Center at Valparaiso University uh, that monitors and tracks bias-motivated incidents in uh, northwest Indiana. The study was done there because back in 1999 and 2000, there was a series of very, very um, serious um, uh, cross burnings in the city that really uh, got people concerned about about the issue of uh, of these kinds of of incidents. And uh, as a result of that, there was a, a lot of activity that had been done, and there was a lot of problems that emerged. And there was a big debate that went on about whether or not the city has really has any uh, uh, bias motivated incidents, and that these things were just exceptions to the rule. Okay. Uh, on the on the other side, however, the ethnic minority groups in this community say, "Hey, no, that's not right." Uh, we see these things happening on a regular basis. And so what the Community Research and Service Center was asked to do was to look into a little bit, and actually was asked by Mayor Butterfield at the time and uh, President Hari, uh, who then president of Valparaiso University, to look into this to see if they could help resolve the issue, whether or not they are. Well, the research center looked around, uh, and they couldn't find any data on this. Uh, nobody collected data on this. Uh, the FBI uh, didn't have a lot of data. The city didn't have a lot of data. The FBI actually said, you know what, the best thing you can do, 
look at the newspapers. We get a lot of our leads from the newspapers. We say, well, that's a good place to, to, to look. So what the people at the, C CR, the Community Research and Service Center did was from 1990 through 2018, they, they've got 2019, it's not ready yet, um, <clears throat> went through newspapers, the Times, the Post-Tribune, and then eventually the Port and uh, uh, Michigan City papers as well. And what we discovered there was that in the city of Valparaiso, no, there's about 460 incidents overall that were reported in the papers, okay? Uh, and the city of Valparaiso was far and above the place where most incidents occurred. Eighty of the incidents occurred in Valparaiso. The next largest city was Hammond with 31, which is kind of surprising not only to the researchers but also to people in the city. And so keep in mind, these were incidents that were reported in the paper, Okay, so people should have been aware of these things. I'm not going to go through all of them, but just give you a sampling. Uh, KKK symbols are applied to a car outside an African-American family's apartment on the east side of Valparaiso. African-American dorm room lit on fire in KKK cartoons taped next to the door. Prospective juror for a well-known case received racial threats from anonymous caller. A white man was arrested for battery at Ben Willie's. That's from a long time ago. Ben Willie's not there anymore. He called a black man a racial name and attacked him with a broken glass. A man in a movie theater makes racial slurs toward Korean-American college student. Swastika spray-painted in the garage. Swastika spray-painted on church and businesses. Jewish families' homes spray-painted with swastikas. Racial slurs. Children taunted at school. Friend of my daughter's. Family's home and vehicle was spray-painted with swastikas and racial slurs. A partially burned cross with a swastika engraved in it was found on a lawn. A racial slur indicating that black people should die was found written on a street sign. Swastikas were painted on the car in the apartment of an African-American family. Tires were slashed. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, days later before a man arrested another friend of mine. One student called a Muslim student Osama bin Laden and punched him. Numerous homes at church park and businesses vandalized with racial slurs. Racial slurs. Okay, I'm going to stop. Okay, I could go on. I'm not going to go through all, all 80 of those, but it gives you a sense that these things happen. And again, that people deny that they happen, but these, these things were in the newspapers. These things just weren't picked out of all different kinds of you know, anecdotal kinds of information. Okay, they're readily available to anybody who wanted to look. Let me give you some other examples, okay? And again, I'm not trying to badmouth Valparaiso, but I'm trying to say, you know, here's a view from the other side, okay? Here's a view from uh, those people who have been discriminated against or are involved. Sometimes the discrimination is very, very subtle. I told the story on the radio before, but one time at the Sunrise Kiwanis years ago, I reported on this data uh, on the bias-motivated incidents, and after the, the, um, the uh, presentation, a person who identified himself as an administrator of Valpo Schools said, yeah, that's really interesting, but, and I quote, those people always play the race card when they come into my office. Think about that. An another example was we were doing interviewing on racial uh, things in the city. In the morning, we interviewed a person 
African-American person who complained about racial profiling. I have friends, he said, who come from, uh, from Gary, and as soon as they cross the line, you know, oftentimes they're followed. You know? We told that story to a very prominent attorney uh, who uh, I can't say much else about him as confidential uh, in his community, told him that story. He goes, wow, that's good police work. So you know, there's, a real, there's a real gap there between some people saying, this is racial profile, this is, this is good police work, okay? Um, I have, I'm running out of time here, but um, I participated in the focus group at United Way uh, and on issues in the city, and two representatives from the Valparaiso school system started talking about the real problem with the schools uh, was essentially that those people were coming from outside the city and ruining the schools. Uh, nobody said anything, and all of a sudden someone raised some questions about it and thought that that was inappropriate. They got up and left, okay? Uh, so you had administrators, again, at the school talking about those people coming from outside the city. Uh, we did an interview one time with a marketing agent for a builder. He said, of course, my function is to keep the city pristine and white. You know, I'm not saying everybody's like this, but okay, there's an undercurrent among a lot of people that this is the kind of, uh, of thing that happens. Another incident when... We were interviewing things, and a student of mine uh, interviewed a member of the city council, and he said, get in my car. I'll show you what the problem is. Took her over to the then master's apartments that was being developed and said, here's the problem right here. Building apartments like them, those people come, gangs, crime, and everything else like that. And again, I could, I could allude to the current situation at schools. There's an awful lot of anecdotal, anecdotal information about um, – kind of incidents. I think um, we sat a couple of weeks ago, I think Jack was there too, and listened to uh, uh, a couple uh, high school students talk about their experiences, which were not too pleasant. Okay, so I, I, I don't want to get into the idea this is going to be an anti-Valpo. It certainly sounds like it, okay, but I'm just trying to make a point that there's an awful lot of things like this that do happen, and people don't see that, and it's the people essentially who are the victims of this that usually are the ones who, who um, are very much aware of these kind of things that, that happen, okay? Um, uh, it's pretty, getting pretty close to stopping here, but I, I think I'll pick on this up next time and talk about what kinds of things have been done and what kind of things can be done to make this a more welcoming community. Well, I want to point out that you have been listening to uh, uh, ABC at Noon. Uh, I'm Larry Boss, and I'm here with Jack Ballantyne, and I uh, want to remind people that this does replay again uh, on Tuesday at 5 o'clock, and then again on Sunday uh, at 5 o'clock, and then again on the following Tuesday. So thank you very much for uh, listening, and we will uh, see you in a week or so.